You are listening to sermon audio from Red Tree Church. For more information about our church or to find more sermon audio, visit redtreechurch.com. A few times a year, we get opportunities to bring in representatives from our missional partners. So um, as a church, as Red Tree, we believe strongly in the gospel called the kingdom comes first. And so um, we strategically pray over how to allocate resources, time, energy, money uh, to support kingdom work in our city, in our community, and in the world. One of those missional partners uh, that we've talked about a lot is Apostles Church in North City. And so today we have Pastor Matt from Apostles is going to come speak to us. Um, Matt is a good friend of mine. I've known him a long time, and I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear from him today. But um, I, I, I think it's really important to say this. Like We, we invite representatives from our missional partners to come speak to us, not just so I can get a Sunday off. That's part of it. Uh, but, Amen. <laughs> uh, but specifically because we genuinely believe that we're better together. Yes. That as believers, we are on the same team, that we're fighting for the kingdom, and the work that God is doing in North City through Apostles Church is work that we love and we want to be a part of. So I would ask you guys, we, we say this every time, we, we hope, and as your pastor, I expect that if you call Red Tree Church your home, that you are praying for our missional partners. Mm. Church, the, there is a desperate need for the gospel in our city, and works like Apostles Church are seeking to do that work, to be obedient to Christ. And so I'm going to pray over Matt real quick, and then we're going we're, we're to joyfully hear from the Lord through him today. Jesus, thank you so much for Matt, God. Thank you for um, just the person you've made him to be, the pastor you've made him to be, God. He is such a gift to us such a gift to his church, such a gift to your kingdom. God, we pray today um, that you would anoint him, that he would be your vessel, that you would speak your truth to us through him today, that we would leave this space today having heard from you. And God, we specifically ask your blessing over our brothers and sisters at Apostles Church, that you would continue to do your work of taking back the city. God, we know that St. Louis belongs to you, that it was yours before the curse ever owned it. And God, we thank you for brothers and sisters like apostles who you have called to do that work of reclaiming the people in the territory that have been yours all along. Jesus, we love you. We trust you for this work. We pray it boldly in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Well, good morning. You good? You guys good? Okay, good. Hey, I feel so loved already. I came up here. There's two waters, a cough drop, and somebody walked in. On Facebook this week, I, uh, I love golf, okay? PGA, I don't know if you guys know, there's a little tournament going on in St. Louis. And I said, uh, I would love to go to the tournament on Sunday if anyone has a ticket. Obviously not thinking anyone would oblige. And I walked in this morning and a brother brought me a ticket to today's round. Come on now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Red Tree Church. <laughs> I'll just, I'm just going to walk around instead of saying, get in the hall, I'm just going to go, Red Tree Church! I'm just, I'll support. Um, as Sam mentioned, my name's Matt, and uh, I grew up in, I know this is, the, this is the age-old question. If you live in St. Louis, everyone always asks you, oh, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? So I'll just get it out of the way. I grew up in O'Fallon. I went to Fort Dumont West, the best, and then I went to Lindenwood. I stayed here. I just said, I love education in St. Louis. I'm just going to get it all. Uh, and I actually go now to Midwestern but in St. Louis at the Extension Campus. So 
just trying to get, you know, all my knowledge here in the loop. So uh, I do serve at Apostles in North St. Louis, and uh, me and a good brother, Todd, down there, and a bunch of other folks doing, uh, man, just feel called to, to love Jesus, and we felt called to do it there. And so just like you guys feel called to do it here, we felt called to do it there, and, and that's what we're doing. I have an incredible wife of almost five years and a baby uh, over here. They hate attention, but let's point to them. Uh, six months yesterday, she's incredible, McKinley, and uh, man, she's the bomb. You know, before I get started today, I do, I do want to publicly acknowledge just a gift that I believe God has given you uh, and given this church and all the churches, all your churches together, uh, and your pastor, Sam. Um, yeah, uh, you know, the word is clear that you need to give honor where it's due, and I, I you know, when you, when you do ministry work, Sometimes it gets very lonely, sometimes it gets very difficult, sometimes it's difficult to talk to folks that you minister to because you're just, you're just dealing with their stuff, you know? Sam is my, I consider Sam one of my pastors. So thank you for all the bandwidth that he takes away from you for me. <laughs> but uh, I've known him for almost 10 years. I've never been less than impressed with his character, his consistency, his care, um, and I, I'm... I'm telling you this, he he says it all the time, and I know, you know, it's just like when your spouse says something a lot, and you just kind of don't hear it, but when someone else says it, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. He loves you guys more than you can ever imagine, and he prays for you consistently, and he seeks the Lord for you, and I'm encouraged by him, and I want to let you know um, that he's the real deal. Amen. We're going to continue this morning in uh, the study of the book of Mark. You know, I, just so you know a little bit about me, okay, I'm from, uh, right now, we're in North St. Louis, and my church, you know, when we preach the word, it gets a little rowdy and a little loud, and so if you feel so inclined to shout or make some noise today, it's not going to throw me off, okay? Uh, it'll actually probably be helpful, so if you like what you hear, just say, yeah, or something like that. If you don't like it, just be quiet, and, um, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. I, uh, yeah, man. I'm excited to be here. Open up, if you would, to Mark chapter 9. If you're using a Bible on the floors, uh, I just did this for you here. It's page 583. You're welcome. And uh, here you go. Or you have an iPhone. That's good, too. Yeah, iPhones are cool. Here you go, Bishop. You need that Bible there. Open up, if you would. I'm going to read this text for us. Grab your phone, your neighbor, whatever's around. And I'm going to read... Mark chapter 9, 14 through 29, I'll pray and then we'll dive in. Cool? All right, let me, let me read this to us. Follow along if you would. Verse 14, it says this. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately the crowd, when they saw him, was greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And when he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher. I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, it foams, and it grinds at the teeth, and it becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought out the boy and brought him to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. He fell to the ground and rolled out, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. 
and has often cast him into the fire, into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father and the child of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind can only be driven out by prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we thank you, God, that you are alive. God, that you're active amongst us. God, that your name is powerful, that it is wonderful. God, that that you're present with us. God, your word says that when two or more are gathered, you are there. And so we know that your spirit is with us today. God, we thank you for that. God, we pray that everything we do, every breath we breathe, every, every word we say, God, every thought that you allow us to, to think today, God, that it would be glorifying to you. God, as we continue to look in your word, you say that it will not return void. So God, I pray that I would step out, God, that you would step up. And God, would you teach us all something today? God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, I do love golf, and uh, I, did, I did get to go to Friday's round. Anybody else love the PGA? Oh, my goodness. No? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. My brother. You mean you, my man. You want to go? I'm just kidding. No, I only got one ticket. Um, sorry. Well, here's the thing. I went on Friday. I don't know if you've noticed. I'm like five foot nothing, and uh, I felt like Zacchaeus, the wee little man, trying to jump over people. Anybody watch golf, at least? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Bless you. Well, I don't know if you know. So there's like 60,000 people at this golf course. And Tiger Woods, I got to see him crazy. Actually, after uh, he hit a ball and it went far right, almost hit me. No big deal. And then I was standing right here and he hit the ball. I was like, like this close to Tiger Woods. Praise the Lord. And uh, <laughs> but anyway, other than that, everything, I could barely see anything because I'm short and there's a lot of people. But what I love about golf, a lot of things. One of the things I love, though, is just the beauty and the, the time that they put into making the golf course immaculate. I mean, if you don't like golf, just go watch, what's it on, TNT, something, CBS, something like that, and just go see how incredible Bell Reef Golf Course looks. It's amazing. And so, um, I don't know about you, but I just, I love cutting my grass. Now, more, I know, no, there's one person who likes PGA. You probably don't like cutting your grass, though. You do? Brother. We should get lunch. Um, I love cutting my grass, and I think partly because I just, I like the smell of fresh cut lawn. I like, you know, I, I try to make my grass look like Bell Reef Golf Course, doesn't equate, but there's something about walking. Now, if you've cut grass before, you know. You, you're looking at your backyard, and it's just chaos, you know, because you waited too long to cut it. And you're walking along, and you're just, you're just chugging along on the journey of mowing grass, but when you turn around and you look back, You've seen what you've created this beautiful little strike of perfectly cut grass. Rose, you know? And I think part of the reason why I like cutting grass so much is just the instant gratification it brings to me. 
in the midst of chaos of life, right? You cut the grass, and an hour later, you're like, I did this. Thank you, you know? Don't you wish life was like that sometimes? (laughs) But it's not. But don't you wish it was just... Life is more like the weeds that pop up in the backyard, you know? You're just trying, you're just trying to do your best, trying to go, and all of a sudden a weed pops up. Well, you could go pluck the weed, but what happens? It comes back. You can go dig the weed out, get the root, right? It comes. There's, there's, a, there's a way to try to keep the weeds from coming in your yard. We'll get to the Bible in a second, I promise. There's a way to try to keep, it's discipline. You got to fertilize on rotation, you know. You got to aerate or pay someone $40 to do it. You got to mow it enough to where you don't got wild things coming in and infiltrating your backyard. There's a rhythm and a routine and a discipline to having a backyard look like Bell Reef or close or never close to Bell Reef, but a good backyard, right? There's a process diligence, disciplines. It's not one, two step, make it happen. It's, it's consistent. The Christian walk is a journey that is a process. There's disciplines attached. And it's for our delight. It's, it shouldn't seem burdensome and dutiful. It's, for, it's so that we can enjoy God. He allows us to enjoy him, but there's things that ought to be done consistently, routinely, so that we can experience him fully. And one of those things, and and really the point, I'm just going to give you the point of today, okay? So if you have to leave, you know it. But the point of today is that all too often, we try to just go to the end of the story, make it happen, and then move on because we're so busy. Now, look, as I was studying this this week, I'm convicted. So I'm not coming to you today to say, I've got it together, look at my life. In fact, what I'm saying is, Lord, help me today. As I say these words, God, convict me even more because what we do often is, is we just want to go over and we want to weed whack the weed, go back to life, and we'll look back and it's still there. We don't want to go through the discipline and the process, what it takes. We do that in our lives sometimes. And so what we're going to see here today, and I think it's so simple, really. It's at the very end of this story. All too often, instead of coming to the Lord and seeking out his will for us, And then pursuing that, we want to just do what we want to do, ask God to bless it, and if it goes wrong, then go to him. And so we're going to take a look into this. So today's message is called this, there's power in the process. We're going to take a look at this text, we're going to look at the problem, the power, and the process. Point number one, if you're taking notes, which I know all of you are, just kidding, is the problem. Verse 17 and 18, take a look. There's two problems we see. Someone in the crowd said, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds at the teeth, and he's become rigid. So I asked your disciples to help, and they were not able. You know, so kudos to the dad, because when he had a problem and he saw Jesus, at least he went to him, right? But what's interesting about this scenario is... It said from his childhood. Now, we don't know how old the kid is. Let's say he's 12. I don't know. 12 years still, his dad's been going through. And it's not his personal problem. It's his son's problem. 
Okay, I've only had a daughter for six months, but when she cries, it does something to me. Maybe some of you in here have a, a, a child that's 20. That's 20 years of getting through their issues as well as your own, right? Doesn't sometimes it creates one for yourself? It's like double, it's like double whammy. This father is exhausted all of his options. And finally he sees Jesus and he says, when he sees him, he says, immediately he goes to Jesus after the disciples weren't able to help. It's quick how, it's interesting how quick we want miracles of God, isn't it? As long as it benefits me, I want it now. If it's going to take some time, eh, well, we'll get to that eventually. But it's, it's, it's interesting how quick we want those miracles. Salvation mainly. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to being a believer, right? Salvation. But when it comes to the disciplines and, and the procedure, what we talked about earlier, and we'll talk about it again in a second, we don't really want that. <laughs> We just want God to do some miraculous things in our midst and for our benefit. The fundamental problem in, this, in these two verses we see from the scribes and the spiritually oppressed and even in the disciples, the fundamental problem we see in this text is that they were faithless. They were faithless. Now Jesus had commissioned the disciples to go. They had been commissioned. So in their mind, they're thinking, we can do this. But they were unable. Probably confusing to them at the time, right? That's why they asked later, why weren't we able to do this? They were faithless. And I wonder if it's because as they were going on the mission, as they were continuing to do what God called them to do, maybe, and this is just my thought, I'm not saying this is, but maybe they began to think that they were doing it. Like, oh, we've been commissioned to God to go, to go love people in Baldwin, North St. Louis. But eventually, maybe there was a mindset shift of like, look what I'm doing in Baldwin. Look what I'm doing in North St. Louis. And we forget that, no, 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 no. God is moving. God, is, God was here way before this church, way before you. He was doing some things. But you, you now have an opportunity to be called into what he's doing. It's a mind shift. It's humility. I love what you're doing. And I love what we're doing in North St. Louis. But if we begin to think that we're doing it, we have a problem. So maybe the disciples were like, yo, I'm going to get this demon out of this kid. I'm going to look real good. And then Jesus is going to be like, nice work. We do that too often. Hebrews 11 says, faith is the evidence of things hoped for but unseen. The father positioned himself, verse 17, it says, we brought his son to Jesus. The father positioned himself under the authority of Jesus. There's a lot of people around, right? It says the crowd was around. And this father cried out to Jesus in front of his friends, his neighbors, his co-workers. And he said, I need help. Here's my son. There was a position shift in his mind. He knew that he couldn't do it. The disciples obviously couldn't do it. Nothing he tried in the past couldn't do it. Because he didn't go his whole life not trying. Obviously, whatever he tried didn't work. And so now we saw Jesus and he says, 
I, I need I, you. Help me. Can you do it? Nothing else is working. Can you? What does Jesus say? Can I? Anything is possible to those who believe. Point number two is power. The disciples, while commissioned by God to do the miracles in his name, the text says they were unable. Unable. Now, this is, for me, this is the hardest point, the hardest thing this week for me to wrap my mind around because I, I'm, a, like I'm a go-getter. I just, I, just, I just go a lot. I'm not even a go-getter. I'm just a goer. I just go. You know, it's hustle, grind, go, go, make it happen, go. And, and all too often, right, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, Jesus, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And then I hit a roadblock. It's like 1-800-CALL-GOD, you know. Instead of... Instead, I'm just being honest, I'm just being real. Instead of, Jesus, what, what does today look like for us? What would you have for me? I was telling Sam this morning, this, is, this has literally been like my season of life. I just, I just do a lot of things. And they're not bad things. I mean, they're good things. They're just a lot of things. And as I was studying this, I realized, like, what if... What if I looked to God initially instead of when it became a necessity? What if, I'm going to say it again, because this I didn't hear that. What if I looked to God initially instead of when it became a necessity? We want the benefit of God's salvation and the love that he lavishes, but we don't want to submit to his lordship. We want to do us. I want to stick my name on it. Look what I did with God. Now look what God is doing through me. Look what I did. Doesn't work like that, huh? Even the disciples who were commissioned by God, they still had a limit. We make plans and we pursue them, but man, do we submit them to God? Or do we just, we just do us and come to church and say, oh. now I'm not, listen, God's grace is large, okay? So if today you're like, man, this is looking good, because the Lord will come in, he'll lavish his grace, you'll be good when you leave here because you'll hopefully change some things. Well, look, I'm praying I change some things because... I make too many plans. I love planning. Man, I got, you know, the giant sticky, ask my wife, those, they're like sticky notes, but they're giant, and you put them on your walls, and you just write over. I got all those, all plans. And as I'm making my plans, I'm thinking like, am I, I think it's good to make plans if we're submitting to what God's called us to, to do. If we're looking at him initially instead of out of a necessity when we feel like we've hit a roadblock. If we come to the Father with all things instead of just the things that we've exhausted our hope in. Well, these things are really good, but these things are not so good. So, God, you can have these things while I go do these things. No, he wants all the things. We can do nothing apart from him. And so what if, 
What if instead of focusing on our own strength, our own will, our own call, we focused on the source of the power? The source of the power, the source of our strength, the source of our salvation. I live in U City, and there's a, uh, there's a, what do you call it, where they make cars? A little car plant? I don't know. There's a car called a Tesla, okay? Anyone have one? I want to ride in it. Um, Tesla's all electric. Okay, that's incredible. And here's the thing, though. Just like, you know, for us common folk who have gas cars, you had to go to the gas station. I had to go to the gas station on my way in because I got in the car. I was on one. Literally didn't even think about it. I'm driving down. Is this Clarkson over here? Perfect. Driving down Clarkson. I'm like, there's no dots on my car. I'm going to be stranded. Um, Teslas are all electric. They, they require power to move. They're not hybrids. It's not like, oh, you run out of power. Here's some gas. No, 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 no. We live life like hybrids. It's like when we run out, we'll ask God to come help us. No. I was driving in Brentwood, and I saw this Tesla parked by this little meter. It was about this big. It was like a meter thing. I'm like, what is this guy doing? And then I realized he was charging his car. Well, why would he need to charge his car? Because it won't run without power. If the car's not charged, it won't move. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It's got a computer in it. It's got doors that like, look like Lamborghinis. But if it doesn't have a charge, if it doesn't have a power source, then all it is is it's just a beautiful piece of metal on the side of the road. And my fear for us is that we are like the uncharged Teslas sometimes. People pass us and they're like, there's a Christian, but they're just doing their thing. Because we're not charged with the Holy Spirit. Look, when God left, when Jesus rose and he left, this is what he said. He said, I'm going to leave you with something greater, better. These past, these past three years have been good, boys, but I'm going to give you something better in the Holy Spirit. Look, the Holy Spirit is still around. It's still alive. It's still active. It's still here. I believe it's here today. The word says it is. Let's put our trust and faith in it. Let's not be faithless. Let's believe that what he says is true. That his spirit is here with us. That you now are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. But why do we live our life like an uncharged Tesla? It looks good. But it's not going anywhere. We're just sitting idle on the sidelines because we haven't recharged. We haven't renewed our minds or refreshed our our spirit is with faith and communion with the living God. We haven't plugged into the power source. Here's the good news, though. You can. So maybe you're like, oh, my goodness, you're right. You can. You can. Jesus says in verse 19, you faithless generation. One of the commentaries I read said Jesus was grieved that the disciples' faith was ineffective in healing the boy. You know, how often must he be grieved with us as we fail in our spiritual resources that he's given us to live this thing called life? Just back, let's go back to the grass analogy. There's things that you can do to make your lawn look nice. Fertilize. Cut the grass. Water the grass. Aerate the grass. Probably too many things. But there's things that we can do as well to recharge and refill. Spiritual disciplines. And the point, I think, of this passage that Jesus makes at the very end, it's just one spiritual discipline. It's the easiest spiritual discipline 
It's prayer. It's meditating on God's goodness to be refilled and recharged with what he has. And what if we were as immediately flexed to connect to the power source as the father was to want his son to be healed? What if there was an urgency in us? Yeah, we want to see God do things in our life, of course, but what if the thing that we wanted to see him do the most was just be God? Because what if God doesn't want X, Y, and Z to go down right now? He wants ABC to go down, but you want X, Y, Z. And you get frustrated with God because you're like, why aren't you doing this? That's a different sermon. There's a process. Verse 22, point number three, process. Verse 22 says this. If you are able, have compassion on us, the father cries out. Jesus gently rebukes the father. It's funny because when I read it, you know, always, as I've always read it, in my mind, I just think like Jesus gets ticked off. He's like, if I can, what are you, serious? But one of the commentators say he gently rebukes him. If I can? I think sometimes we don't want to humble ourselves before God because we're afraid he's going to attack us for how long we've been living a little ratchet. You guys know what ratchet means? Okay. <laughs> North City, that would be like, yeah. Over here, it's like, that's a tool. Um, you guys know what it means? Live a little wild, a little wild and out, okay? Sometimes I think we don't want to submit to God. We don't want to give him. Look, here's the thing. That's the enemy confusing you because God already knows what you're going through. You think God doesn't see what you're doing? That's foolish. But guess what? He loves you enough that he's still there. That he's still around when you turn around and say, help, if you're able, he's there. He's always there. Verse 23, Jesus says, all things are possible to the one who believes. And so what's the father do? He cries out. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. He acknowledges his need. He acknowledges his weakness. In front of his friends, nonetheless, he acknowledges his position. The first step is acknowledgement. You have to acknowledge where you are. And everybody in this room has different circumstances that we've brought in. So we're all in different places, okay? So don't feel like you're alone. Oh, wait, you are, because we're all in different places. But God is there, and he knows. His grace is big enough. We have to acknowledge the need. Step two is this. We have, it's very simple. We have to pray. We have to have a conversation with God. And not pray like, God, give me this. God, give me this. God, give me X, Y, Z. Amen. Deuces. No. Prayer is a conversation. When you have a conversation, if, I, if, I, if I'm talking to my wife, this happens too often, and I'm just telling her things that we need to do. God, babe, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. You feel good? Okay, we need to do this. And I don't allow her time to speak back to me. That's a one-sided conversation. We pray too often with one-sided conversations. We need to allow time for the Spirit to move and speak back 
and listen to what he wants to say. Because don't you believe... If we think, you guys still tracking with XYZ? If we think XYZ is the best for us, it's my best life right here. I just need to do XYZ. Make this much money, get this car, marry that girl, I'm in. But God's saying, look, ABC is the foundation. We need to go through ABC first. Maybe we'll get there, but this is more important to your salvation, your eternity. But we're so focused on us that we forget to allow him to speak. The power to heal the boy came from a faith that believes that God is able to do the things. And, and the faith needed grows out of a submissive prayer life. Step three is pursue. We have to acknowledge, we have to pray, and then we have to pursue God. It doesn't stop at prayer, now we have to pursue. We have to continue. You want the weeds to stay away? Keep fertilizing. You want to continue to hear from the Lord? Keep talking to him. Keep listening to him. Here's here's what I'm not saying today. We're going to wrap it up in a second. What I'm not saying is, if you have enough faith, God will give you what you want. Too many people are saying that. That's not what I'm saying. But guess what? What I am saying is that if, if you surrender in prayer and give it to God first, you get to watch what he wants to do with it, And we get to enjoy it. Because he wants what's best. You're his kid. I want the best for my kid. I buy my daughter too many things. My wife's like, calm down. She's going to wear this once. You know, I'm like, that's going to be the best time she ever, you know. God wants the best for us. Listen, though. God wants the best for us. You writing this down? God wants the best for us. You know what God, what I did not say is God wants what you think is best for you. I need to write that down. I did not say that God wants necessarily what we think is best for us, but he knows what's best for us. He created us. We are his. He knows you better than you know you. And that's good. Because sometimes I'm like, what? what is going on in my mind? God knows. I got to submit myself to him. I got to say, take it, God. Take it all. You are good. You are good. We sing it, but we don't believe that. You are good when you give me what I want. Good. That's not the word. Someone's here today. Someone's here today, and they're struggling, and your heart is heavy because you've allowed the enemy to confuse you into focusing on your solution instead of your salvation. You're stuck right now. And there's not a better place in the world to be than right here in this moment because I believe that God wants to move and he wants to free you from those chains. So I don't know what it is. Could be your marriage, could be your job, could be a kid, could be wanting to have a kid, could be that you're confused, could be that you feel depressed. It could be that you stubbed your toe. Look, we're so focused on our solution that we forget what we have in God and our salvation. We have to trust the process. And I believe what this text tells us in the very end. Look, 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 look. Verse 26, it says, 
The boy looked like he was dead. Verse 27, he reached out. He lifted him up. Verse 28, he entered the house. The disciples said, yo, why couldn't we do that? In verse 29, Jesus says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. There was a whole other rabbit trail I wanted to take with the analogy of the son's demons because it said that it, it would try to drive him off and drown him kill him, put him through the fire, gnash his teeth. So many illustrations on that's what the enemy does to us. The enemy wants to confuse you. The enemy wants you to go so crazy that you just want to go run off a cliff. The enemy wants to confuse you so much that you'll just get in the fetal position. You just gnash your teeth because you're just like, I don't know. Jesus is saying, no. only prayer, only prayer. Pursuit, only pursuit can drive those things out. No struggle is too big for God. Maybe I didn't say yours. I just listed like six. Maybe I didn't say yours. That's not an exhaustive list. No situation is too big for him. We get it twisted because we want to ask that God would heal us, but we don't want to submit to his lordship and what that process looks like. God is an infinite God. He doesn't have a watch. That process of sanctification in your life. And I say, if you're not a believer here, sanctification is the process of when we become a believer, we, we, we want to look more like Jesus because Jesus is the fullness, right? Sanctification is taking a wretched person like me and help, God helping me become more like Jesus. There's a lot of things in my life that got to be sanctified. So help sanctification. Lord, help me if he gives me all of those things at one time. It may be a journey. We may have to be disciplined. We may have to continue in the process. Get recharged along the way because Tesla's only go 300 miles. You got to recharge it eventually. You got to renew your mind, renew your spirit. We got to pray more. We got to stress less. We got to believe that God is able and we have to submit and say, and even in what I don't believe, help my unbelief. Even in what I struggle to believe you're able and handling, help my unbelief. Because it's easy to give you my job situation because I hate that job. But it's tough to give you my marriage because I actually love her. I just don't know what to do. Help my unbelief. So that's it, my friends. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that God would graciously, I know he will, that he would graciously allow us time. Today, we're going to sing some more songs. Band's going to come back. There's going to be three pastors scattered out. I don't know where they're going to be, but you know who they are. If you need to pray, you need to go to them and say, look, I, I need accountability. I need help. because I, I need to let go of what I'm trying to do and believe that God is able to fix what I just don't think is fixable. It's fixable if he wants to fix it. So let's pray together. Then let's respond. And let's just respond in prayer today. Is that cool? I mean, every, everybody in this place should be praying that God will speak to us what he wants us to hear. And when I say pray, I don't mean speak to God. I mean, maybe we just need to listen to what God wants to say to us today. Maybe we need that second part of the conversation to happen today. And we need to hear him. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we, uh, we come to you. God, and we, just like the Father, 
in this text. God, we know that you're able. We believe that you're able, but God, would you help our unbelief? The amount of faith, God, that it would take for us to give to you what we struggle with and we've been grinding through is a lot. And God, may we not be a faithless generation, but one who believes that you are able. And so if you can do anything today, God, for us, would you do it? And I pray that your response would be, if I can, of course, of course I can. So God, help our unbelief today. Jesus, there is power in your name. I pray for those who are here today, God, who are not yet believers. God, if if what we're saying, God, I pray you would arouse in them, God, a desire to know you. God, even just to ask more questions, God, there's power in your name. And so Jesus, be made big in this place. Help our unbelief. God, for once, let us focus on our relationship with you and what that looks like instead of what everybody else around us sees and what we want to show off to them. Help us, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Red Tree Church. Visit redtreechurch.com for more information.